anybody been a little more inspired to run lately? Anybody just get, okay, no, okay. <laughs> how many of you know, uh, how many, I had someone tell me uh, last week, my running days are over, right? How many of you have that kind of a feeling? Your knees said no, right? My, our daughter's up here visiting and yesterday, it was such a beautiful day, she said to me, she said, Dad, I'm just kind of debating on whether I, because she's a runner, whether I should take a run or take a nap. <laughs> I, I think I would choose a nap every time, but it's great to see you on a beautiful Sunday, and we are delighted to have you. We are um, having a blast in this series called Run, and we've, what we've done is we've just taken many of the places in the Bible where somebody's running, and we're learning what they're running from or what they're running to or why they're running. And these have ended up being some fascinating stories about different people in the Bible. Lots of different stuff. Today is Run to the Giant. Guess who we're dealing with when we talk about Run to the Giant? Yeah, David and Goliath. Now, I do need to say that really the text, 1 Samuel 17, my goal today is not to do like an expository message on the Israelites, the Philistines, um, how they ended up in this battle and the historical viewpoint of this. Really, it's a springboard for us to talk about our day-to-day lives and facing the giants that we have in our lives that are very unlike, in many ways, the physical man, Goliath. But very like Goliath in the intimidation and the size and the fear factor and the things that we really do deal with in our culture. Because this might be a stretch. You can disagree with what I'm about to say. I've been saying it all weekend, and I would welcome your comments to me. Do you think it's true that all of us, regardless of age, stage of life, face some kind of a giant? I, I think we do. I'm, I, have, I have a few giants in my life that I have to face. I want to also say something that's important for us before we dive in is not all giants are sin. You know, sometimes we think about, i got to face this giant and it's, it's some horrible, terrible, deep, dark, secret sin. It could be that. And I'm praying for deliverance for some of you. If that's the case with you, God can help you today. But a lot of these are not sinful at all. They're just controlling issues in my life. So when I started researching for this message, I could not believe some of the stuff I was reading about what people face, like the greatest challenges in American culture today that people face and that worry them. And I have, I won't read, the, there was a list. I mean, just, it went on and on and on. But addiction was one of the number one challenges. Um, and you would expect addiction to like drugs, alcohol, sex, things like that. But, but there's other kind of addiction where, you know, needing people or needing to be needed. Many types of addictions mentally. Insecurity was a big one. Our culture is pushing us into not liking who we are anymore. And it seems like the world standard is, is in many ways getting higher and higher. And we can't measure up. We can't have enough money. We don't look good enough. We don't have the right clothing. We, I feel like my heart goes out to students right now with peer pressure and the things of expectation on them. It's a huge thing, just insecurity in people's life. Fear was another one. Fear of real war. You know, the politics in the world right now. Hate crimes, violence. A few others I won't comment on. Depression. Loneliness. Financial security or insecurity, family separation, this was a big one. Lots of articles about 
people who have become estranged in their own family and how do I handle my kids and I don't get to see my grandkids because my kids are mad at me and they're holding that against me. All this entanglement, you just go, it's consuming, isn't it? It's consuming people. Things like resentment, hatred. Now, hate's a really strong word, but resentment is its cousin. And a lot of people have a giant called resentment that they just can't get over what happened to them, and they just are not quite willing to move on. And you find yourself thinking about this in the car. It just comes to your mind. You're not asking it to, but it's just there. Today, I want us to try to tackle some of these giants. I want us to be as real and authentic as I can as I walk us through this story. Here's my question. What is slowly trying to control you? What is trying to get a hook in you? What is trying to to take life out of you and cause you to stop where you are and be consumed with it. That's what a giant is. In 1 Samuel 17, I'm going to read the story itself, just the first part. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. That's a big guy, you guys. He wore a bronze helmet, his coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore a, a bronze leg, leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was so heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spear that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and he shouted a taunt, notice that, across to the Israelites, why are all of you coming out to fight? He called, I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. If I kill him, you will be our slaves. And then he says this, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified. And the Bible says they were deeply Shaken. They, they didn't know what to do. They were overwhelmed by this challenge. It was bigger than anything they had known. Yes, it was a physical giant, but it was also a spiritual giant. What are their choices? I mean, I'm sure those soldiers were saying to each other, maybe you could take him. I can't take him. <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you ought to give it a shot. No. And think of the pressure. If I lose, then my whole nation becomes slaves. So that's another reason maybe you wouldn't want to give it a shot. But there was fear. And that's what giants do. They intimidate. So one of the first things that, that I want to talk about are just traits of a giant in general. And in your program today, on the back is, is an outline. If you jot these things down, I promise you just keep them with you. for Not because they're so profound, but because they're so basic. That if you, if you look at those in the next few weeks as you're doing this, it will help you to understand that's just a trait of a giant. I can beat that. I can win over that. I'm expecting that. Now, these are things you can't really control because they're just traits of any giant in your life, okay? Four things to watch for to identify these giants. Number one, they're bigger than you. They're, they're bigger. Like, you can't go out on your own strength and just take this away. It's, it's going to involve other people's will. It's going to involve a financial picture, possibly, that you can't fix. It's going to involve people's attitudes and opinions of you. All these giants are a little beyond your control. Goliath is over nine feet tall. That's big physically. But giants are big emotionally. 
Giants are big in every way as we look at them. And we must understand that we cannot beat the giants without God in our life. I, I shared a scripture with you a few weeks ago out of the New Testament that said our struggle, remember this, is not flesh and blood. It's kind of that armor of God passage that we, our struggle is against the principalities and powers of the air. It's, it's about against beings that we don't see. In the beginning, there was this angel named Lucifer who, who fell. We refer to him as Satan. He's our tempter. The Bible says that he has come to kill, steal, and destroy. In other words, if he can't kill you, that's his first goal. He will steal dignity from you. He will steal everything else away from you. And he will, his goal is to destroy you, even though you might still be alive. Can someone be destroyed and still breathing? Yeah. They can be so beat up and down and out that they, they just don't have any purpose in their life. And all they're doing is just holding on to survive, holding on to survive. I want us to get out of that. I remember in middle school, um, my, I had a little, we had this little boxing club that we started to learn how to fight. And we had this guy come and train us. And we were lifting weights and we were going to be awesome. And, and no one was going to be able to take us out, you know. And, and I remember at the end of about a year of doing this, and we had all learned all this cool stuff. Howard, one of the guys in the group, comes up to me and he says, you do realize that no matter how good we get at this or how big we are, how many weights we lift, there's always going to be somebody in the world that can beat us up. It's so depressing. Um, <laughs> But our battles are spiritual in nature, and your enemy is bigger than you. Number two, they intimidate you. Intimidation is a real key. It's a real part of how a giant works. It's in your face, in your face, in your face, reminding you of your weaknesses, reminding you of who you're not, reminding you of when you fail. It's this imita uh, intimidation. Um, things that are not true. They can make you believe things about yourself that are absolute lies. That's what giants do. And, and when you're strong, you can say, that's not true of me. But when you're weak, you go, I know, that's just who I am. Not true. God wants you to understand it's not true. Satan wants you to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him because he knows that he can win. He wants you to believe that you can do it alone. He taunts you. You know what taunting is? And it's what Goliath did. You know, he's, he's doing bashing these people. It's, it's kind of like... Come on, chicken. Come on. I dare you. <laughs> How many of you have gotten in trouble by some of those words a few times in your life? All of us probably have because we, we think we have something to prove. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about this uh, just last night, and I, I don't know if you're a, a Bronco fan or not, but I don't tell that many Bronco uh, illustrations, but I thought of one with Shannon Sharp. Do you guys remember Shannon Sharp, receiver? A lot of talk, Right? But they were playing Kansas City, and they were losing, and it looked like Kansas City was going to win. But Shannon Sharp came to the sideline and said, I think it was Derek Thomas who was defending him, and he said, I can get a personal foul out of him. He hates me, and all I have to do is taunt him, and he'll do something illegal, and we'll get 15 yards in a first down. I'm not making this up. They reported this. You can read this in history. He goes out there. He taunts Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas throws a punch, does something. Personal foul, Broncos keep the ball, win the game. <laughs> I heard later it had something to do about a girl. <laughs> Don't want to know any more than that. Taunting. 
Um, your giant can get so intimidating. This is really serious. And, and I'm, I'm talking to somebody, maybe one person, that you don't want to live anymore. Life would be better without me. My family would be better without me. I don't even really have any hope. I just can't do this. I can't face this anymore. Listen, suicide is the complete, utter loss of hope. It's exactly where Satan wants to put you. Because he hates you. And he's a giant that wants to kill you. And he will use every means possible. Do not play this game. You are created in the image of God. And he loves you. And you are valuable. And you have worth. And you are awesome in his eyes. And if you are awesome in God's eyes, don't let the enemy lie to you. Fight that fight and win that battle. It's important to all of us that you do. Number three, they try to engage you on their terms. I thought this was something that Goliath comes out and says, here's the rules. You send a man, I'll fight. We win, we win, you win, you win. And, and it's like, I'm setting the rules for how the game works. But guess what? Don't let your enemy set the rules for how you play. Be big enough to say, no, I'm not swallowing that hook. I'm paying attention to this temptation. I'm not going in that bar. I'm not going in that place. I'm not going out with that person. I'm going to draw a line in the sand right here. Why? Because I know I'm going to end up in trouble. So I have to take it way back to where that temptation starts and whatever it is. When that little nagging resentment comes in and you're reminded and you're, all you're doing is just driving the car down the road and this coming, you start having this conversation that separated you and someone else and it wasn't fair and they were mean and what they said, all of a sudden you need to stop it. And you need to grab that thought and throw it out the window and say, I am not going to give my brain to that another moment. That's what taking thoughts captive is all about. That's how it works. And that's what you have to do. Your giant just wants you to come just close enough. You know that game where you hold your hands out? And someone else puts their palms on top and you try to slap them. That's, that's the giant. And so he, he's kind of like, oh, come on, just try just a little bit. And then he'll, he'll, he'll cause you to flinch and he'll get you flinching and he'll get you nervous. And then about the time you relax, bam! Just turn to your neighbor and play that game real quick. No, no I'm kidding. Don't do that. Because he's fast. Number four, they want you to fear them. Your giant always wants you to live afraid. And, and Goliath basically comes out and he says, I defy the armies of Israel. In a theological sense, this was maybe one of the biggest statements he was making. Because what he was doing is the Philistines had many gods, terrible worship, sacrifices, evil. And what he was saying was, your God, the God of Israel, is a punk. I defy him. So much so that let's see, let's see whose gods are real. You send out your warrior, I'll take him on, I'll beat him up, and my gods win. He was in defiance of the God of Israel. This did not set well with David. And David was, I'm sure it didn't set well with anyone in Israel, but especially David. And he had something to say about that. Living in fear paralyzes you to reach your potential. There, we're in a culture now where it's getting easier to stay home and not go out because of fear. 
I've been shocked in this calendar year how many people I've dealt with, and I just love them. And if some of you here today, I'm not exposing you in any way, I'm just saying there's such a fear of even going outside or, you know, you can have groceries sent to your house now. You can have, I was in Arizona and there's this new app, we don't have it in Colorado yet, where I, I was going to run down and get a, a couple bags of ice. We had a little party and the ice was melting and, and a person who lives there says, no, I'll just have it delivered. I said, what do you mean? And he pulled out his app and hit this thing said, three bags of ice, whatever it was, blocked, crushed, boom, paid, already, be there in eight minutes. This car pulls up, guy gets out with his ice, where do I go? I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> get a double cheese Whopper and meet you at your house before you even get home today. Wow. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. Um, fear to trust someone again. Well, you don't understand, Pastor Jerry, I was deeply hurt. Well, we all have been deeply hurt. That doesn't mean it's easy. It's hard. But I'm not going to let that giant control my life. And I don't want you to let that giant control your life or your future. Okay, i got to move on. Tactics of a giant. Tactics of a giant. Now, that's just the traits. That's stuff that they are, regardless of you acknowledge it or not, that's what they are. Here's some of the things they use. And I could have eight or nine of these, but I, I want three to be on your outline to just watch for. Number one, the giant offers a no-win solution. That's one of the first steps that giants like to do in your life. Just, just come over here, let's talk, it'll all work out, we'll get this. When he knows, no, he's just pulling you in and baiting you. And, and that's exactly what happens. Every time you fail to conquer the giant, it gets a little bigger and a little stronger. And suddenly there's a hook in you that's it's, it's throwing you around. And it's harder to control because they want no-win solutions. Number two is the giant is extremely patient. It is not always recognized in this story because there's this subtle little verse in the passage in 1 Samuel 17 that tells how long this has been going on. Anyone, anyone know how long? This battle, well, no one's fought yet, but this emotional battle has been going on for six weeks. There's a, there's a valley of Elam in the middle, and the Philistines are on one side, the Israelites are on the other. Goliath walks out in the morning... The army of Israel walks down in the morning, and he, he says this little spiel. Then they, run all, they all run back up the hill. Then in the evening, same day, they all run back down the hill. Goliath says his thing, they all run back up the hill. Two, three, 42 times. You ready? Bear with me. <laughs> I won't. It's a long time. What's the point of that? Here's the point. Satan is in no hurry to destroy your life. He'll, he'll, just, he'll just let you slowly, slowly, slowly make one little bad decision after another. He'll just put it out in front of you. This isn't that big a deal. Oh, come on, this isn't going to hurt anybody. No one knows anyway. Suddenly, without even knowing it, you're slowly walking into a trap. And a rattlesnake is waiting for the mouse in that moment. And the mouse feels safe. But it isn't. And that's the challenge we have with facing the evil one. He's very patient. Very, very patient. Number three, the giant completely shatters your worth. This may be the biggest thing I can say all day. And I pray you'll hear me, especially young people. 
teenagers, college students, and, and young adults as you start to formulate your self-worth. I know a lot of people are raised in tough environments right now where you've been beat up and bruised and wounded emotionally and, and, and you're never enough and you can never measure up. I, I, I get all that. So I just want to tell you something. When Goliath saw David coming, you know what he said? He said, am I a dog that you would send this ruddy kid? It was just this belittling, you're a worthless worm. Then he said, I'm going to feed your bones to the birds. I'm sick that this little runt is coming out here to face me. That's what giants do. They want to pound you and pound you and pound you. You are worth nothing. You don't mean anything to anybody. You have no value. Go away. Life would be better if you were gone. Does that sound familiar? That's the enemy of your life. That's not the voice of God. Because God says, come. <laughs> come climb up in my lap. I love you just the way you are, and I'll help you journey with life. You are not a loser. David ignored those words. Let's talk about facing the giant as I wrap this up, because this is the best part of the whole story. Preparing to win. What do I have to do? What, what are some, some key things to do? I think I have three or four things. Number one, understand who you are fighting for. See, this isn't just about you flexing your muscles and saying, I can take on any temptation that Satan throws at me because you really can't. You're really not that strong. So David makes this statement. He says to Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear. Those are your, your weapons. But I come to you in the name <laughs> of the Lord of hosts, which means armies. The name of the Lord of the armies. And guess what? They're not too intimidated by your little spear. They're not too worried about that sword of yours. I come to you with much more than you come to me with. And that's what you've got to know. And that's what you've got to believe. You are not just fighting for you. Here's another point that I want to make. When I'm tempted, when I have a giant, let's say it is sin, just for a moment. If I don't win that temptation, I'm putting you at risk. I'm putting my wife at risk. I'm putting my children at risk because of who I am and the calling on my life. I have to pay attention to the boundaries that God wants in my life. It's just the same for you. Say, no, it isn't. I'm not a pastor. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. It's the same for all of us. It, it matters. Your, your resistance to sinful temptation really matters in the body of Christ here. Let's say it's not a sin. It's depression or discouragement. What if I fell into that depression and I didn't take steps to get out of that? I've had my moments when some bad days took me down. I've had to face a few giants in leadership in these 30 years here. We've had issues up and down and all around. And what would have happened if I hadn't built an army around me and put people who I know are praying and, and came to you and said, please pray for us right now as a church? I don't know. I may not be here. I may have already been gone. We may not be here as a church. And I'm not putting too much on me as a person, but it's the same with you. You have a family. Those kids count on you. Those parents count. Your friends are counting on you. So, so go in the name of the Lord of hosts. Don't just go in your own strength. Number two, remember how God brought you to this point. Say, well, what does that mean? It means how did you end up here today? Why are you still alive? 
Why are you still in the fight? You could have just given up and died and it would be over, but you're still here. Why? Because God has proven faithful so far. I want you to remember some of those moments. Yeah, I made it through cancer. Yeah, I made it through that temptation. I made it through the desert. I love it. I've already prayed with people today who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And they're trusting God. Why? Because they have an anchor that this world can't give them. Here's in David's case. Remember what he did when he was a shepherd? He's just a young shepherd. And he says, well, I killed a lion and I, and I killed a bear. And Saul's probably like, well, this is Goliath. And for David, a lion's only this big. A bear's only this big. Goliath is an easy shot. I can't miss this target. That's his perspective. Another thing you need to know is he was skilled. And God will use your skills to win battles. You know, you can, you can read theologians on this. God directed the stone to hit Goliath in the forehead. Well, maybe. I happen to believe he was really good with that slingshot. Did a little research on the slingshots that they used. And depending on how long it was, the centrifugal force of spinning that, you can, you can get a stone to go uh, the speed of a, of a bullet if you really know what you're doing. And you can get very, very accurate with it. I think David did this hours and hours and hours and hours as a kid, and I think he was really good at it. And I think he was competent, and that's why he was so courageous. Yes, he came in the name of the Lord, but he also had his weapon that he was good with, at. And man, I'll tell you, I love this idea of knowing that God was with me with the lion, he was with me with the bear, surely he'll be with me with the giant, because nobody's going to defy my God. I'm going to win this battle. I'm going to take this giant out. Number three, embrace who you are in Christ. I'll say one thing about this. You is emphasized, and here's why. Saul said, David, I mean, Saul was in a tough spot. If he's going to let this kid go out and face Goliath, then He's a terrible king, <laughs> right? They're going to say, really, Saul? You let a kid go out and, and way to go. You know, you're really a courageous man. And, and, if, and then if he doesn't go fight him, you know, it's all kinds. Of, it's very complex. So he says, hey, put on my armor. The Bible says Saul was like a head taller than anyone in Israel. So here's this big armor on this kid. And I can just see the picture when David puts all this on. The Bible says he put it all on. And he's, he's kind of walking around like, and he says, he says to Saul, I can't, I can't fight in this. This isn't me. Be you. You can't ride on the coattails of your parents. You can't ride on my coattails. You can't ride on, you decide who you're going to serve. You decide who you're going to follow. You decide who you're willing to die for. Because if you say, Lord, I give you my life, then you have the empowerment of the Spirit to take the giant down. And that's the truth. And he knew it. And he was empowered by God. And so there was this whole idea of knowing who he was. I can't rely on this armor. I'm taking it off. I'm taking my slingshot. He did get five stones, though, instead of one. Where's his faith? Number four, kill the giant. Kill the giant. Verse 48, this is that verse where he ran. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran 
out to meet him. He didn't run from him. He ran to him. Why? Courage, passion, knowledge. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. I believe, and most scholars believe, that it knocked him out. And David was really swift. When that stone hit him in the forehead, the Bible says he, it, his knees buckled basically and he fell forward. And he was, he was phased. And so the Bible says David ran across the valley and pulled his sword out and cut off his head with his own sword. That's good thinking. <laughs> he didn't say, come on, you want some more of that? Got four more stones. He wasn't trying to be a hero. That's the point. When you have a chance to kill the giant, kill it. Don't just taser it. Kill it. Now, having said that, I need, to, I need to say something very important before we pray. Some giants in this life are not killable. There are some battles that you're going to be in always because you're susceptible to temptation on this earth where it's not the kingdom of God yet. So I have to realize that if I'm susceptible to a certain temptation, I can build safeguards in my life and accountability in my life that, may, that cause me to win. I believe you can be victorious over any giant that you face in your life today. I really do. But that doesn't mean you'll never be tempted again by that same giant. If you can kill it, great. He'll move on to another weakness of yours and you'll keep fighting. New battles. That's good news, right? It's true, though. That's why we have to know we're in a fight, but we can win. And that's why we come in the name of the Lord of hosts. It's why we have faith in our hearts. It's why we have the hope. And it's why we trust God with every detail of our lives because he cares and he can do what we can't do. I want you to pray with me. Lord, in this moment, prepare our hearts to face these giants. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's money problems. Maybe it's insecurity fear, all, all the things that we've talked about, all the stuff that are potential enemies. We need you today to put a boldness and a courage in us to run out and to kill a giant. To fight this good fight. In just a minute, I'm going to ask us all to stand to help facilitate people coming down here. I don't do this very often, but I really felt prompted that when you step out into that aisle, maybe you've never done that. It's not too spooky. I'm just going to have you come down here, pray over you, and you're going to go right back to your seat. But it's, it's a statement of will that says, I'm, I'm, I'm running up to face my giant. So would everyone please just stand reverently, cautiously, if you're able to do so. We're going we're gonna to sing this song, My Chains Are Gone, Amazing Grace. And as we start to sing it, I want some of you, and again, this, this may not be sin at all. We're not looking in judgment here. We're partners, okay? So some of you couples, some of you couples, you need to take the hand of your spouse and say, we're facing a giant together. We need to get down here. 
Some of you singles are saying, I need help with this, and I'm going to believe God for this. Some of you are in sickness, physical sickness, disease. That's a giant. I want you to come down here. I want to pray for healing in your body. So whatever it is, uh, if you know you're empowered to walk down here, now don't run. I know some of you want to run to face the giant, <laughs> but just walk. Okay, you can trot a little. Let's sing it. Come on down here and let us pray for you. Come now. We're just going to pray, and then you go right back to your seat. God bless you. Amazing grace, how sweet sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. My chains are. Anyone else just want to come? If you need someone to come with you, just grab whoever's around you and come on down here. <laughs> or maybe you want to take someone's hand right where you are. It's not magic up here, okay? So if you don't want to come but you say, I'm in this, then you just accept this prayer. First of all, I just want to tell you guys, we love you. You are loved by this body of believers. We are brothers and sisters. We are sons and daughters of God, and you matter. And we value you and thank you for walking down here to say, I'm trusting God to face this giant, okay? So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And this isn't a magical thing, and there's no secret sauce when you put your hand out towards someone, so I don't want to spiritualize it. But it's a, it's a sign of, of praying in agreement. As you reach a hand, I always like to just say, I'm in this prayer. I'm believing. I'm praying in agreement. So if you're comfortable with that, just reach a hand out toward these as I pray. Lord, thank you that we can face the giant. Thank you for brothers and sisters in this family of God that they have walked up here in faith to say, I believe you can give me hope and relief. God, we trust you. If it's a disease, to push it out. Bring healing today. Bring encouragement today. Lord, if it's a habit or if it's an addiction or if it's fear or if it's depression, whatever it is, whatever we're facing, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies, <laughs> we push the enemy back and we slay him in the mighty name of Jesus that that giant no longer has dominion in our lives. For God and to God be the glory and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let these people know you love them, would you? We love you. Amen. <laughs>